All right, folks, welcome back to the Land Podcast. This is Jay Kofer, and we are bringing you the step zero of this land buying series. And it is a fun one because it is with Alc Higgs from Farmington Bank. Alc is a fifth generation banker. So he has literally have grown up around it his entire life and um, is a wealth of information here and breaks down recreational and farmland loans. And we cover kind of a wide spectrum of uh, topics here. We talk about interest rates. Are we in the golden era? Are we gonna look back and say this is the best era, one of the best eras to borrow money? Potentially. Um, we talk all about that. We talk about the process and things people consider to uh, when you're shopping, the pros and cons to an arm loan. And um, if you're getting a long term fix, maybe there's a little bit more hoops to jump through. So if you're looking to buy your first piece of ground, or maybe you already have one and you have a little bit of equity, and maybe you're eyeballing the neighbors or eyeballing number farm number two, this is a great podcast for you. And I really appreciate Alec taking the time to record this. And hopefully you guys find some value. As always, you can head over to Linktree and get signed up for the email newsletter where we're sending uh, exclusive resources there. And I'll give you one little update. I know I talked about a large auction parcel that I had coming up. We had a successful sale last Friday, and uh, it was a it was a great sale. So we're very happy with the turnout, and it's been um, a quite the experience to sell a, a parcel like that. And the coolest part is. Um, hopefully not speaking out of term, but it should become in a nat- state nature preserve um, down the road. So it's going to be really cool to be part of that history and look back um, for many generations. And, you know, to be able to be involved in that transaction is really special. And that's just one of the beauties of real estate. And so, yeah, uh, no other updates. We're going to go ahead and pass it on to Alec. And um, his information is in the description if you want to give him a call or email and ask him some questions. And be sure to let him know that the podcast sent you. So here we go. All right, we're live. I have Alex Hicks here um, from Farmington Bank. How's it going this morning? We're doing good. Yeah, so uh, no complaints. Uh, you know, I, I just got over last week, so we're talking to people here. So um, it's it's good. It's glad to be back here. So yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time here. I mean, so I don't know how familiar you are with uh, what we're doing here at the Land Podcast, but really the essence of it is is just trying to help people become more educated in the process of buying recreational land. And uh, what we're doing here is we have a basically a five-step series and we're breaking down literally the entire process of a transaction from start to finish okay. um, to basically help people get an idea of, um, you know, what is it all about? Because ultimately it, it can be a very intimidating process. It's a little bit different than what, you know, just buying a typical house. And uh, excited to have you on here and talk all about your guys' uh, recreational loans and everything else that goes along with that oh yeah yeah definitely definitely happy to talk about this and you know dive in when you are cool so i guess before we do do that tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about farmington bank so i've been i've been here six years uh, i grew up in farmington uh grew in county uh, i live probably never gonna live any further than a half mile off of 116 um, I've been here my whole life and don't really, really plan to go anywhere. Um, you know, kind of got into banking. I'm actually fifth generation here. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's more of a family run operation to, to me than just, just a job, you know, with the history here and, and all that. So, um, we've been in business since 1903. Um, you know, this is, you know, with my grandfather and, and everybody, my, and my dad and, you know, everybody else here, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's been nice to kind of stick around and, you know, kind of, I guess, help a family business, I guess. you. Um, so it's just me today. We're going through an exam. So um, normally I bring a couple other, you know, folks from the bank in, but it's been uh, pretty crazy. But, you know, it's uh, good to get those things taken care of and, you know, check off for another year and a half. So, yeah. So um, ex- explain what an exam is for someone uh, curious what that means. Yeah, so every year and a half, you have an exam. Um, uh, one section, year and a half, you have the state come in, uh, state examiners, and then the next year and a half, you have the the feds come in. Um, they pretty much just come through, look at your, you know, for me, they look at, you know, your, your loan portfolios, the bank's loans, uh, make sure your asset quality is okay, make sure, you know, you're doing things by the book, I guess. Um you know, and then they score that, and then that is reported to uh, you know FDIC and and you know, 
your regulators uh, just to make sure you're doing things property, properly um, and you're not, you know, cutting any corners or, you know, doing things you're not supposed to be doing. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a good thing, you know, and uh, I mean, it, it's a lot of work, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the, it's a good thing, you know, because, I mean, mistakes happen and, you know, you realize, you know, I accidentally did this. So it's, if there is, if they do find something, you know, you get it corrected and, and move on down the road. But, um, you know, for other, like IT, you know, they have their own exam, which is part of that. And, you know, but uh, compliance, um, you know, they have their own exam. So for me, I'm, I'm mainly on the loan side. Um, so, you know, kind of what my, I guess my of that would be, you know, just making sure we're doing things properly. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that sounds like an interesting process nonetheless. It's not, yeah, it's not the best process <laughs> to be honest, but it's uh, something you got to do in part of the job. So you just hunker down and get through it. For sure. Yeah. sounds like a, like an, is it basically just kind of an audit in a nice, is it a different word for audit, like for audit exam versus audit, or I guess audit's probably the next level up. Yeah, it's an audit. So we have, uh, you know, to be prepared for these exams, because I mean, it really is, a, you know, a test. you get a grade as, a, as an institution and you want that to be good because, you know, uh, you know, everybody else can see that, you know, so we have auditors come in, we hire our own auditors come in you know, every, every few months um, and go through everything just to make sure when the exam does happen, you know, by the states or the feds, whatever, you know, section is coming. Uh, then you know you're on the up and up and if they're and they're not gonna find if they do find something it's gonna be you know hopefully minimal you know sure and, fun yeah well um well I, I don't know about fun but yeah but, yeah uh, we won't hold you we won't hold you here too long in case you need to go uh, help the rest of the team here but um so you know, as I guess a fifth generation banker, have, is there some lessons that you've learned basically around the dinner table um, from over the years of things that people really should know before they even start the process of looking for a recreational uh, piece of ground in terms of. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It just, you know, some people, you know, like me, it's, it's all I've grown up with that conversation around the dinner table. So I guess it's, you know, it'd be a little different for me rather than, than somebody that hasn't, you know? So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, when they start the process, they, you know, especially people that, you know, just getting out of college, you know, they've only been working for two or three years, you know, uh, they maybe have some student loans they want to work through, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, they, they typically most people don't know where to start when it comes to, to buying, you know, rec ground, uh, you know, your farm kids and stuff, you know, so most of them have, you know, a, a general sense. I mean, I grew up with that here in Farmington, you know, their, their parents are buying more farm ground, you know, um, they're maybe doing some more cash renting. So they have a general idea of how the process starts. But I mean, growing up, you know, you, you always hear it, heard, you heard it around the dinner table. So, I mean, it was always a little, a little different, you know, for me, but I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's a lot easier, you know, buying rent ground, farm ground than what it is to buy, uh, you know, a home or have your primary residence. There's a lot more regulation with that. And, you know, your farm ground, it's, you know, we, we love doing them because I mean, there's, I wouldn't say they're easy, but you know, they're, they're, you know, pride, I, I deer hunt. I, I love, we have our, you know, our own family farm. So it's nice to, I, I just, I love doing that sort of thing, you know, and, and uh, helping people, you know, I mean, most, most of the time when people buy them, you know, they're, they're, they're buying them for, you know, for generations. So it's nice to, you know, to have that and see that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, that definitely seems to be the case there. And I guess as someone, you know, I would say the majority of people that are probably tuning into this, maybe even have a piece, but more than likely, most of them are probably looking to save up for their first piece. So mm -hmm. is there a checklist of what people should kind of know as they're getting prepared to do this? I mean, I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, folks may have student loans, but I mean, is there, you know, a debt to income ratio or is there, you know, friendly advice of what people should really, um, yeah, so there is a something like that. Yeah, for sure. So there, there is a checklist, um, you know, you have your debt to income, you know, has to be within, you know, a certain range. Um, you know, ours is, you know, overall, you know, your, your monthly obligations should not be more than 36%. Um, you know, we'll go over, that's, that's very conservative. Uh, we're a conservative bank. Um, so if, if it's a little above that, you know, we're, we're not going to balk at all. Um, but, you know, you should have, 
you know, you have to have financials prepared. Um, you know, you should have two years worth of tax returns, uh, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20% down. Um, the reason, you know, um, we gather, you know, tax returns is because we have to pay, like I, we, like we talked earlier about the exam, you know, you have to prove that on paper that, you know, your customer, the buyer is able to, uh, you know, able to pay you back and you have to prove that on paper, which is why we, we do a debt to income. We have the tax returns, proof of income. We, we collect, you know, most of the time pay stubs, um, you know, as proof of income. So, I mean, those are kind of the things you should be looking for. Uh, there's a lot less information you have to gather for um, uh, ag real estate than what you would be for a primary residence. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not a ton. Most of the time you have to have proof for uh, proof of your uh, deposit, you know, that the money's not borrowed, you know, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, like people, you know, our age, a lot of times, I wouldn't say a lot of times, but some of the times, um, you know, that money's gifted, you know, whether it's a grandparent um, or a, um, a sibling, maybe, or a parent, you know, they'll gift, they'll gift them the down payment. And then, you know, you can write that actually off on your taxes. Uh, you know, whoever is gifting that money, you can write a certain percentage of that off. Um, so that happens too. And then there's a certain gift letter that you have to have, you know, just to, you know, you have to track everything you do, of course. Um, but that's, yeah, there's, there's certain things you have to gather and, you know, you should look out for and, you know, but most of the time we keep a checklist and we send it directly to the bar. Hey, you have to gather this stuff and then, you know, we get the process started. Sure. Yeah. One thing, I mean, I don't want to glaze over is, you know, 15 to 20% down for uh, land real estate in general. That's a, you know, obviously I've shopped around and I've talked to a lot of different people. That's, would you say that's a lower than normal standard across the space? I mean, a lot of people are 25 or 30%. Uh, I'd say, I'd say, I mean, we've always been 20%. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're starting to do the 15% more. I mean, just because I, you know, it's a, and they're, I mean, we don't really, you know, commercial, some commercial properties will do that 15%. But most of the time on ag, you know, whether it's farm, rec, you know, whatever, we're doing 15% down just because, you know, the, I mean, I mean, you can see in the market, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, there's a lot of people, um, you know, our age that don't have, you know, 25 or 30% down. And most of the time, those people, you know, they're solid borrowers, you know, so why, um, I guess, put a fork in a deal um, for somebody, you know, for anywhere five, 10%, you know, when they're going to make that up in a payment, you know, and 12 to to 24 months, you know, I'm I'm just kind of spitballing now, but no, but no, I do believe that, um, uh, you know, we are a little lower on that 20% pretty common across the board mm-hmm. um you know if the deal's right you know there's i'm sure there's some banks that would do 15 but that's our policy is you know no greater than 15 sometimes it's it's called an exception you know, sometimes it's over that not very often uh but you know to, if, it, if it came down to making a deal work for a strong borrower yeah we'll, we'll make it happen you know so yeah and all right here's probably a silly question but so with the primary residence if you um don't put 20% down. You have PMI until you get to that, uh, 80% loan to value. Do you have that with land loans? Uh, we do not No. Okay. Um, you know, typically we don't, um, anything above 90%, you, it goes on your, um, reporting sheets as a, as a high asset or, a, you know, high, uh, high liability loan, mm-hmm. you know, but once it's under 90, you know, which is why we don't like to do that. Cause it looks at the, what you're doing, it makes the bank's numbers look, uh, you know, worse. Um, but you know, we've, we've done that on occasion for the right deal. Not very often. Um, but you know, we don't really do that with, uh, with iGround. Um, you know, we just don't, um, so with a, uh, primary residence, yes, anything, uh, over, uh, know 20 percent you know you're required uh because there's more regulation with primary residents um so but with with uh you know rent ground high ground no we we don't mess we don't we don't we don't really do that Mm -hmm. okay yeah i'm sure there's someone thinking that that question there um well that's great i mean i think that 15 to 20 percent i mean would you agree that most mostly the biggest hurdle for getting into a piece of rent ground is saving up that basically windfall of cash to put down on a farm 
Yes, uh, yes, 100%. You know, and, and to sometimes, you know, some people, especially right now, a lot of people are holding on to their cash, you know. So um, let's say you, you know, you have 50 grand in equity in another farm or property. You know, a lot of people will then, you know, take the equity out of that, you know, and we'll put another mortgage behind that. You know, because I mean, there is value there. So you take that and that, you know, then people kind of hold on to their cash. So that's something else that, you know, for folks to keep in mind as well as it doesn't necessarily have to be cash, you know, as long as there's equity and, you know, something else, you can do that as well, whether it's uh, another farm or, you know, most people wouldn't want to do that with their primary residences because there's, uh, you know, regulation involved and you have, there's a, you know, certain, other things and paperwork you'd have to fill out so a lot of people don't mess with that but you know whether you have another farm that you know you have uh, some equity and some people do that, that too awesome yeah that's that's great advice um yeah as you get going i guess it becomes a little bit easier as you're because when you buy this you have four savings of paying down oh, exactly. um you know the first farm and you open up more doors more opportunity um if the if the neighbor becomes available and you're able to purchase that farm or you find something else that you really like you don't have to come up with that giant cash down payment again oh exactly yeah so a lot of people do that you know it's um you know it, it's it's nice and then you can hold on to your cash too so mm -hmm. so uh, you know i have some some other questions down the road but with all this being said in terms of people holding on to cash and obviously the markets have been uh, very volatile in a positive way what do you think in terms of uh, where current rates are going to be at? I mean, obviously they have been low for a while, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, what is the, you guys do typically arm loans on these types of uh, properties? And yeah. Products? So yeah, I mean, yeah, so we're a small, we're a small, um, we're a small bank. You no, know? um, I wouldn't say we're small. We're not huge, um, but we're also not small. You know, it's a consolidating market. Banking is, so, um, uh, you know, you just do what you can do and, you know, it's, it's either get big or uh, get bigger or get bought out at some point. So with the arm, um, you know, uh, it's beneficial because, you know, we do anywhere from three to seven, sometimes 10 year arms, uh, depending on what the borrowers, um, what the borrowers, it, you know, deal is there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whether it's, it's three and a quarter to four percent you know it kind of depends on money down credit score you know those all come into a factor but the things that you know people need to i guess look at when they're doing these these farm loans is whether it's an arm you know sometimes people set them up on balloons um you know we do a lot of arms we've done some balloons the only problem with the balloon is um after that balloon that the loan uh, technically matures so at that point uh, you know you'd have to rewrite it uh, which means it would trigger some of the, the fees again, you know, through the county, you know, there may be some bank fees involved. So with that arm, whether it's three, five, seven, ten 10 years, um, you know, it just rolls into, um, you know, a, the rate adjustment is all. So you, you, there's no extra fees when you set up an arm and you just keep rolling. The only thing that may change is whether it goes up or down, uh, depending on the rate environment at that time, you know, your payment may go up or down depending on if rates are, you know, higher or lower at that time. And, uh, they will go up. They will go up, um, especially with this, uh, you know, inflation that's everybody's starting to see. Um, you know, I think they'll raise them here um, sooner rather than later, you know. So we'll just, I, I know I'm just, I don't know for sure. You're um, right. I, I, crystal ball and you know I, I don't know everything by any means but i mean they're gonna have to you know it's they're they're just gonna have to sure so as that happens do you think that um real estate because i mean it's always kind of an ebb and flow just like anything in in any market as the rates go up do you mm -hmm. think these land prices are gonna stabilize or slip a little bit because you're i mean ultimately uh, buyers uh, aren't able to buy as much or do you think it stays kind of on the similar path uh, and, you know, I don't know everything, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see here um, what's going on. We'll see what's going on, um, you know, but um, at the end of the day, you know, every, you know, let's say 12 months, you know, I think they're going to have to do something, you know, with this uh, inflation, you know, to curb it. Um, with that, you know, rates are going to raise. And I think, you know, 
Wait, why are people people are buying houses? They're buying properties. They're buying you know uh, farm ground. You know, and the demand is high because you know you know not the only reason, but you know one of the main reasons is you know rates are super low. People, you know, your, your solid borrowers are getting you know, paying next to nothing on interest for you know thirty years. Heck, some people are paying you know two and a half percent on a fifteen-year mortgage. You know, for for homes. I mean, that's that's yeah. low. So I mean, as they start raising this, you know. If, if they just do it gradually, you know, I think, I think, you know, anytime pe there, people raise rates, I mean, there's, you know, whether it's a long time or a short time, people, 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 you know, they get scared, you know, and, which I, I don't blame them, you know, that's just, you're not really, the only thing that else is happening is it's just more money. And I'll just say it's more money in the, in the bank's pocket, you know, when rates, when rates go up, you know, but at that time, we would have to raise our deposit accounts because rates are up. So we're paying more on for people's deposits, you know, so let's say they raise, you know, the rate, your prime rate right now is three and a quarter. So let's say they raise that a point, a point, you know, we would then have to raise our, uh, our deposits. Um, and then, you know, to make up for that, cause we're paying more, we'd have to raise our, our, our uh, you know, our, our, our rates on our loans mm -hmm. um, to make up for that. You know, which where we run into trouble, you know, the Fed just they changed it like that, you know, and then you the banks are stuck, you know, struck, you know, figuring out how because you still have several CDs hanging out there at two, three, four percent that you're paying people on. And then they lower rates like that. And the rates that you have tied to prime, they lower instantly to three and a quarter. So now in some circumstances, you're paying folks three, four percent on a CD and a chunk of your loans just went to three and a quarter. So your margin is very thin. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of how it, it looks, it looks on our end, you know, cause a lot of people, they originally think, Oh, the bank's just raising it to, you know, to get more money, which we are. But on the other hand, we have, you know, we have to pay people their deposits too. And, you know, there's, and you're scrambling cause I mean, we've, most bank, if you if everybody's margins were less than a percent, you know, there's not going to be a lot of community banks left, you know. So you have to adjust with the the market. Man, that sounds like a lot of lot of moving parts there. <laughs> Which I, I think yeah, people, yeah, I'm glad you explained that because people don't realize that. Yeah, and that's a thing, you know. I mean, banks. I mean, you see some bigger banks, you know, uh, here and there. You know whether they make you know they change it and you know you always hear about you know this you always hear people complain well this is high this is high my rate's high but you know it probably is in, in some circumstances but i mean at the end of the day it just depends what you're you know you have to pay people and i mean we do charge interest but you know i think we're you know if you're fair with us we'll be fair with you type thing you know and, and you get more and that's why you know i like community banks you know there's a lot of illinois I believe Illinois, and I, I could be wrong there, but I thought it was Texas. I could be wrong though. Um, but Illinois is one of two of the has the most community banks um, in the country. So, what do you think? What do you think causes that, or why that is, or is it just random? Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a reason. I don't know why. You know, um, I mean, these, some of these banks have been around forever. You know, I'm sure a, a lot of it was. You know, I mean, Chicago. I mean, it's very, very busy. It's always been a very busy town. I'm sure, you know, having that and those busy suburbs up there, you know, I'm sure that has had something to do with it. Um, you know, because I mean, heck, some of these banks, you know, have been around since the 1800s, 1900s, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. But ultimately, like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, hold my hat on that because I'm not entirely sure, you know. Sure. Okay. So let me ask you this. So, um, you guys are, I assume, can you lend anywhere in the state of Illinois or, or do you guys lend anywhere in the state of Illinois or do you try to stay kind of in the Peoria? Yeah. So we're, how, yeah. So how that works is we're a state chartered bank. Um, you have, there's two things. There's a state chartered bank and a federally chartered bank. So a federally chartered bank, um, you know, can lend anywhere. Um, the problem with that is, uh, most of your, you know, most of your, uh, like your chase, your bank, most of those are federal because they're, they're big. They have, you know, branches everywhere. Um, with us, you know, we're state chartered because I mean, we have, we have four locations now, um, all in central Illinois. So you don't really, you know, want to get too far outside your, your, uh, lending area. 
Uh, I mean, you don't want to make somebody a car loan in California because if they don't make their payments, you're driving to California to get that car, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you can, we, you know, we're not, we have, we have a lot going on and, um, you know, the Davenport area, we're not against doing the Southern Wisconsin, you know, anywhere really in Iowa, you know, just as long as, you know, um, you know, Southern Missouri, you know, something like that. We've got some, you know, uh, some places in, in the Ozarks that we've, that we financed for, for customers. Um, you know, so we'll go outside our comfort zone. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to be careful, you know, um, doing some of those things, you know, as long as it's a, a sound decision and you can trust your, your borrower, everything looks good. Um, you know, you, you really, you really don't have run into too much trouble, but you got to be careful because you don't want to, you know, start doing a bunch of stuff in California because then it, you know, because at the end of the day, you are a state chartered bank um, and you have to abide by those laws, you know? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this is, <clears throat> is someone that, is shopping around for their first loan. Obviously with where rates are right now, and you kind of mentioned that they're likely to go up in terms of if you have an arm loan, is there in turn, cause I, I know there's a few lenders that do those long-term fixed rates, but I feel that more than likely most of the people borrowing oh, yeah. aren't those top tier borrowers to, to where they can get into that. Is there any words of advice for wisdom as someone that's listening to this and trying to weigh, weigh the options? Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of, yeah, I'll kind of get into that. So let's say you're, we can't do that because of the, uh, the interest rate risk that I, I spoke about earlier, uh, those long-term 30 year fixed rates, uh, most of the time when you see, uh, when you see those happen, they're through big, big companies, big banks, um, you know, you know, Fannie Mac, Freddie Mae style loans. Um, the reason for that is they're either, um, big institutions that do them and they can absorb that interest rate risk, you know, where your community bank is, your community banks, you know, can't, um, you know, my, my, always my selling point is, you know, well, you pick up your phone and, you know, call me, whether it's a Sunday afternoon, you know, we're going to answer, you know, we, we kind of pride our, I guess our, you know, kind of motto here is we kind of pride, you know, on our service and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, but most of the time you're seeing that sort of stuff, those 30 year fixed rates, you know, some community, bigger community banks will do them, um, you know, um, but, or what we do, uh, if, you know, cause I, I mean, I don't, I don't blame people. Why wouldn't you want a 30 year fixed rate at two or 3%, you know, mm-hmm. um, I get that. So at that point though, um, you have to be careful, uh, you know, uh, everybody, some people just want the rate, some people want the service, you know, which I see both sides, you know, I'm not, if somebody wants a two to 3% 30 year fixed rate, you know, I, I get that all day long. So, but what you got to be careful for of that, excuse me, is, you know, uh, with like real estate, you know, you start getting into secondary market stuff for any May, you know, Freddie Mac, uh, people, you know, will start selling them to bigger banks. And then at the end of the day, you don't know where your loan is at. I've had a lot of people say that to me. Now I'm getting off of the farm loan sort of thing here, um, but that's more of a residential. But with the farm loans, you know, um, they'll do those 30-year fixed rates. You know, some bigger bigger companies will. Um, but with that, they always tend to jack up the fees a little bit here and there. So you need to watch that too as you're kind of getting into, um, you know, your first farm farm purchase. You you know, and if you don't know you know, what you're looking at, you need to, to call somebody and just make sure, you know, you know, the fees aren't, aren't crazy, you know, cause they can, they'll get, they'll get out there, you know, the fees will on, you know, whether it's, it's your title work, you know, um, origination fees, which is just a, uh, you know, like a documentation fee, certain like that. Cause you'll have fees from the title companies and you'll have fees from the bank, you know, rule of thumb is, is typically with residential properties is that um, the less you put down on secondary market, the more you'll pay in fees. Um, and then you run into PMI and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, and that's kind of why, you know, I like farm rent ground, um, you know, loans so much is that, you know, most of the people, you know, they're, you know, you don't see a lot of people doing 30 year fixed rates you know, um, farm ground wise. I mean, you do, 
but you know typically you know i just got a quote from i had a customer that was you know thinking about you know he that was something he wanted we couldn't offer it um you know and the rate was going to be like five five percent fixed for 30. you know it was just just one institution mm -hmm. um you know i'm not speaking for everybody here uh, but that's kind of you know what what it was which honestly if you look at past interest rates you know that's probably not not terrible you know so it just some people want to pay low up front you know for five to seven years and then what they'll do is they'll just start you know hammering it out you know and getting paid ahead and uh, another thing to watch for is prepayment penalties if you pay it off early you know sometimes you get tagged for that uh, we don't have that sort of thing you know on, on our farm loans so i mean if you want to pay ahead you know uh by all means do um better than that you know i kind of got off track there but i hope i answered your questions for the most part well yeah i mean I, there's there's not like there's benefits and drawbacks to to both loan products and it's dependent on, on the place to both, for sure. mm -hmm. yeah pros and cons to both you know i mean i'm not gonna say i know all the answers or you know we're the best place to borrow money from but I mean, just like anything with, you know, with anything, there's pros and cons to it. So. Sure. Yeah. And I, and with the interest rates right now, I think you make, make a good point of with those additional savings, maybe you can put a little bit more towards the principal um, and build up a little bit more equity. And as those things adjust, then, I mean, you'll be in a little bit better situation, but th that's, that's your expertise. That's just me thinking out loud. No, no, I agree. I mean, the more you put towards principal, the better off you are, you know, I mean, you know, um, I mean, it just, you know, especially now, you know, why, why, I mean, if you can pay more, pay ahead. I mean, my grandpa, you know, he, he always told me you can't get ahead if the banker's always in your pocket, you know, and he, and he was the banker. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I mean, that, that speaks volumes to me, you know, so, I mean, you, you have to borrow money at some point in your life. You just do, you know, um, it's just the way it is, but you know, the quicker you can get out of debt, the better off you'll be, you know, especially gaining, like you said, getting, you know, hammering that principle out, you know, that's just more equity you're going to build and, you know, and that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's funny that your uh, grandfather said that given, <laughs> given your guys' long line of professionalism. <laughs> um, I mean, it, and I, that's true. Yeah. Oh, you, you broke up. What'd you say? I said, no, I just laughed a bit and said that. Yeah. I mean, was, I won't argue with it. No, he was right. So yeah. Yeah. You got to keep, uh, keep the cash in your pocket so you can stay afloat. Cause I mean, ultimately uh, <laughs> cash is survival and that's, and maybe you can comment to this, but um, everyone has been in actually. Yeah. This, so n no matter what generation I've asked and everyone talks about farm ground or ground in general of you'll never make any money off of it or, um, you know, it'll never pay for itself or anything else like that. What has been the consensus around your dinner table? Is it this speculation or is it having cash to survive and pay that and, and let the land appreciate or what, what's been the conversation um, or your thoughts on this topic? Cause I'm sure you get it as well. Like with these auction you know, people are saying, there's no way that I'll yeah. pay for it. And it's always been that way. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a, that's a super tough question. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I don't have a crystal ball on this one, but I guess I'll just kind of, you know, say say what I think here. And, um, you know, farm ground right now, it's high demand, rates cheap. Um, you know, you've got the only thing that kind of throws, I wouldn't say it throws me off, but it uh, uh, scared me a little bit if I was going to buy a farm is that people are, and we've seen this in some, you know, situations, people pay over uh, the appraised value of the farm of the mm -hmm. farm i mean that's a third party valuation you know if you've got the cash to absorb that you know you want it go out and get it but at the end of the day if you're paying extra you know and and uh, i mean these farms are appraising for all time some of them all-time highs um you know at that point i guess i don't know you know from a banking standpoint that's uncharted territory you know let's say things start getting crazy market crashes you know you just paid 17.5 an acre for this farm the market crashes and now you've got you know a farm worth 10,000 an acre you know now you're way over on your loan to value and you're going to have to work yourself out of a hole you know will that farm get back up to that price maybe you know yeah, will eventually. that happen I don't know. yeah 
Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's, yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying, you know, it's a possibility, you know. Um, But right now, I mean, it's a good time to buy anything. Rates are cheap. They're definitely going to go up. They're, in my opinion, they're not going to get any lower. You know, we're, you know, if it gets lower, you know, there's going to be a lot of trouble, you know, for uh, banking institutions and, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I I don't see how they could get any lower, um, you know, and, um, but, you know, just again, just an opinion, you know, I think they're going to raise them. So, I mean, at that point, you know, it's a good time to buy, you know, if you can get, if you can get a good buy on a farm, which, I mean, they're still out there, you know, for sure. So, yeah. Awesome. So the interesting thing about recreational land markets is with, with tillable, it's certainly an asset class. Do you guys view recreational land as an, as, as an asset class, even though maybe income or intrinsic value isn't as, is clear? Yeah. So, I mean, right ground, it's a, it's a little different. I mean, when you talk timber and stuff like that, I mean, what I consider your your collateral would be the farm. That's kind of a it's kind of a gray area because you're with with rec ground timber ground. You know, uh, your um, I guess your timber would be um, you know it, it's considered the farm. You, you don't actually you know let's say you have some you know some mature maples on there that are, are really worth worth some money. You know that's going to increase the value of your farm. But it's not going to add back towards, I guess, uh, cash flow, you know, because that's a one-time, um, you know, income back to you. It'd be the same thing as a capital gain, you know, as how, as how from a banking standpoint, you look at it. That's just, uh, I sold my house, um, you know, and or I sold a rental property, you know, um, that's going to be, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if you sold a rental property, that's just, you know, it's a one-time thing. You know, you don't have an abundance of rental properties you're going to be able to sell. You know, I'm sure some people do, but most people don't. So that timber, once it's gone, you cut it, it's gone. So, mm-hmm. and which at that point, you know, is it going to affect the value of your farm? It may a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, you're mainly, you know, it's going to be a per acre assessment. So, you know, it's really at the end of the day, not going to affect it a whole lot, you know, unless you really just start, you know, you cut down everything, uh, unless you really start. But yeah, I mean, rec, you know, when I say it's a solid asset class, class, um, if you asked me that, you know, five, six years ago, you know, I'd still say yes. But I mean, right now, I mean, as the market is, yeah. I mean, people, it is in high in demand. I mean, God only made so much ground, you know? So, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I don't see any problem with it as holding as an asset. You know, the values, I mean, historically have only gone up. You'll see some dips, some swings, but it always rebounds, you know, so. Yeah, trend, I mean, I, zoom out far enough, it'll it'll trend positively. <laughs> oh, way. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're we're getting to that point now where people are paying all-time prices for it. So it's, a, you know, you're at the, the tip of the iceberg and it can keep going up, yeah, for sure. But I also don't, you know, we're getting to that point where it's kind of, you know, it could go either way. You know, I hope it keeps going up because, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's nice to see people buying these sort of things, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to be it's been fun to watch this market oh, lately. Yeah. It's it's uh, I don't know. All, and, and the interesting thing here, too, from what I've noticed is there was so much pent up demand and there was very sparingly few sales and auctions. And now there's more demand coming to the market because um, people want to get on some of this fun and, and realize some of those gains. And to me, I've been seeing it stabilize or continue to creep up. And I wonder where, you know, that uh, supply and demand kind of uh, levels out. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's nice to see this sort of thing. You know, it's, it really is. So, you know, and it is crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you know, some of these farms are just going nuts. You know, people are paying top dollar for some of them and, you know, and, you know, in some cases, you know, I mean, people are, you know, I mean, I guess there's good and bad to it. You know, you see some people sell them like family farms, you know, they've been in the family for generations and it's, 
um, you know, that stuff kind of makes me sad because we've had we have a farm in the Trivoli area, you know, that's been in the family since 1836, mm-hmm. um, and I hate to see that. I, I would hate to see that go. So it just, you know, um, but at the end of the day, you know, one of the best times. To, yeah, one of the best times to ever sell it. Oh yeah. Oh exactly. You know, and if you don't have any personal connection to it, you know, and it's the best time to sell, you know, what the heck? Why not? So now I there's just like we talked about earlier, pros and cons to everything. You know. Yep. So in your opinion too, and you know, this is just your opinion, so I'll hold you to it, but do you think commodity prices like corn beans and the actual timber value drive up these prices? Or do you think it's economy, uh, like driven by the economy in terms of just everyone having a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of cash on the sidelines and people wanting to get into it. So is it commodities or pent up demand? uh with with available uh funds to go uh, i guess pieces. guess from a banking standpoint i guess i would have to say you know i would say both for sure but i would lean more toward if i were to pick one i'd say more of the economy and people having extra cash on hand you know people are selling properties they've been sitting on for a while and you know especially you know people that have some higher asset you know um some higher you know solid asset classes like they're holding a commercial building or something like that and they sell it um, and they've got, you know, a million dollars that they need to get rid of and they don't want to pay tax on that. And then, you know, what they do is a, a 10, it's called a 1031 exchange mm-hmm. and they buy it into another property. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of that going on right now. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of that happening, you know, so. Yeah. Um, it, it's crazy to watch the trickle down effect of a 1031. Uh, oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so, definitely. Definitely. Still I will say, I, the first three or four years I was here, I never really saw a lot of that. But it, this year, it's been crazy. I'm sure. I mean, you probably know better than I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure you. Do. Yeah, you get to you get to watch some of the same LLCs trickle down. You know, they sell, yeah. they realize the gains, and like then they go buy three farms. And it's like, oh well, that uh, that stimulated a lot <laughs> of the area economy there. It's really cool to see that go into work, and obviously, there's benefits oh, yeah. to, to that. And um. Let's see what I don't want to take any too much more of your time here. So what would no, be you're, another you're question or two that someone sitting on the other side of the table should be asking a prospective bank um, as they're shopping for a loan? You know, I think there's a lot to go. I mean, and that's the, that's the coolest part. And the, the thing I love about farms is the most is each farm is different. You know, some have, you know, I guess you really need to go in and dive into that particular property. You need to know what you want, you know, whether you want timber ground whether you want, you know, corn, you know, you want tillable, um, you know, and then you need to look into that quality of that tillable. You know, we have a farm in Fairview uh, here in Fulton County that um, it's uh, it's a deer hunting farm. I mean, there's tillable on it, but the ground, there's a lot of clay in it. It's not real good. You know, it isn't, I mean, you're not going to lose money farming it, but you're not going to get rich either by any means. So you just need to, you know, look into those sort of things too. You need to pick out what you want and then kind of go from there, you know, um, maybe look, there's a lot of people and you probably, you know, know as well. A lot of people are into the, the CRP payments right now. You know, if you can find a farm with the CRP pay, payment coming back, you know, a lot of people, and then you have, you know, additional, um, you know, income from crop coming, you know, most of the time, if you put that on a, you know, depending on what you're getting back, um, if you're, you know, on a 30 year AM, which is, you know, not uncommon at all on, on farm ground, um, you know, most of the time that payment pays for its, you know, pays for itself or close to it, you know, and you only have to come up with a grand a year to, to satisfy the payment and, you know, principal and interest. Taxes are usually cheap, you know, on mm-hmm. on that, uh, on rec farm ground sort of thing. So, um, you know, I guess my advice, you know, I'm, you know, I wouldn't say I know everything, but, um, you know, I guess from a banking standpoint, you know, kind of get out there and just, you know, figure out what you want. And then, you know, whether it's you want big timber bottom to hunt, you know, to hunt deer, or if you want, you know, if you want money coming back, you know, if you want, so, you know, look more into crop and beans, or if you want, you know, both, you know, there's properties out there that have, you know, tillable and, you know, timber ground. So, I mean, you just, you know, just, you know, find out what you want and then kind of work in from there, you know, yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, okay, now let's uh, kind of allude to this, but 
and you kind of answered these in a roundabout way, but I'm just going to ask you, it's time to get out your crystal ball and uh, trust your gut here. So in the okay. next, this is just up or down. So okay. uh, the, the rec land market in the next 12 months, up or down? Up. Okay. Uh, rec land market in the next three years, up or down? Oh boy. Um, you know, I would say, I would say, uh, boy, that's tough. I'd say up. Uh huh. Do you think we'll see a dip in between those two dates though? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, Reckland market in the next five years. I'd have to say down. I just, five years is a long time. I can't see it. You know, heck, I don't know, but you know, I just, from where I'm sitting now, it's, it's, it'd be tough to see it. You know, I keep going up, but. Sure. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Yeah, time will tell one way or another. Yeah, I I think you're going to see a lot of ups and downs here in the next two to three years. Sure. Okay, and then kind of the same theme here, interest rates in the next 12 months, up or down? Uh, Up. Interest rates in the next three years? Up. (laughs) Interest rates in the next five years? I think they're going to, I think every, I think it's going to be up um, every year. I mean, between those categories, you know, I, I'm not yeah. saying they're going to jump to 12%, you know, anywhere near that, but, you know, I think they're going to keep gradually as the economy recovers from, you know, you know, the COVID and, and you know, stuff like that. I think you're going to gradually see them raise interest rates, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be uncommon for the rates not to change in between years three and five, you know, mm-hmm. so do you think we're uh, quickly leaving the golden era of interest rates? Like people yeah. are going to go back and like, I bought a house in 40 this year and I have a really good rate, uh 30 year fixed rate. And I have a feeling in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, holy cow, I can't believe I got that, uh, that rate for this. Oh think- yeah. I think you're right. I think, yeah. Anyone that in the last year to two that have refinanced their homes, you know, I think probably is going to look back in three to five years and be like, wow, I'm glad I paid you know, to refinance this, you know, I'm, you know, that 1500 bucks was worth a lot, you know, to refinance it, you know, or, you know, what are the closing costs and the purchase was, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to go up, you know, they're going to go up. I mean, it just, it's inevitable at this point, you know? Well, great. Well, I really appreciate your time uh, here today and I'll give you an opportunity to share your, uh, whatever you want to share your email or uh, plug the bank and uh, hopefully someone out here listening will, will take you up and uh, ask you a few more personalized questions if, if they're in the market to buy some ground. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you can reach me here at the bank um, and the Farmington branch. Uh, you know, you can get a hold of us at 309-245-2441. Um, you know, that's our main line. Or my email is just ahigs uh, at bankoffarmington.com. All, all one word. So all together. So other than that, yeah, it's a nice talking to you and appreciate your time. Yeah, certainly. Thanks for uh, hopping on here. I'll let you get back to your uh, fun endeavor with you. Oh, yeah. no, we can keep we can keep talking. No, I, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Now it all makes sense. But no, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great holiday and thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate. It. Have a good holiday as well.